0: Good day to you. My name is James Langridge, and I am the president of the British American Business Council here in Los Angeles, welcoming you back again today for another podcast. On the line today, we have two wonderful guests. We have a British Consulate General Mike Howes, and we have Carlo Cavagna, Regional Director of the Southwest US of the Department of International Trade. Good morning, gentlemen, and welcome. Morning, James. Good morning. Thanks for coming on guys. Um, Gosh, it's uh, and today we're going to be talking about, well, obviously it's unusual times where COVID-19 has put everyone on the back foot and we're responding in the best way that we can. Um, And and Mike and Carlo are here today to talk a little bit more about the UK's response and and the things that are going on that they're providing to help everybody uh, locally, back in the UK and around the world. And for that, obviously, we thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very much. First question, Mike, how are you at the moment? What's How's life right now? What's going on that's new for you?
1: Well, thankfully, I'm fine. Thanks, James. And uh, all of my family are fine. I think, like everyone else, we are all working from home in our various ways. So my three kids are all logged into their school this morning. Um, Uh, my wife is is busy working and I'm busy working we're all in different parts of the house uh, very reliant on all of our technology which is all working brilliantly I have to say so I think probably like everyone or for those of us who are fortunate enough I should say to be able to to work remotely and isolate um, you know we're very much in that camp with everyone else I'm very conscious of course that that's not true for so many other people uh, particularly essential workers around the world um, and you only have to really walk out of your door in LA to see that division between, between those who can work from home and those who cannot to understand how significant that is. Um, but I think, yeah, we're, we're very, very fortunate and I'm very conscious of that. And we're doing fine. Thank you.
0: Oh, thank you, Mike. I, I'm, I'm certainly grateful as well. Having uh, the ability to step outside and the ability to work from home is, is a blessing. And, and, I, and you did, I didn't really take that, I didn't realize how important that was and how lucky I have been as a result of that up until now. How about yourself, Carlo? How are you today? You're working from home, I'm, I'm sure.
2: Uh, yes, I am. I, I don't have kids, uh, but uh, but my wife is working from home at one end of our, our, our little apartment and I'm working and I'm. I'm doing this podcast from the other end of the apartment, and, and like Mike, I, I consider myself to be one of the very fortunate and lucky ones, you know, able to shelter in place, able to get uh, groceries delivered, obviously extremely grateful for the efforts of essential workers. Um, and I think our society is uh, in the process of redefining what we consider to be an essential work, worker, which I think is a, is a wonderful thing. Um, and very grateful, um, you know, to, to be able to enjoy some stability and some security at a time when when so many um, uh, do not. And uh, and I and I do worry about them.
0: I know I under, I I completely agree with you. Uh, the 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 worldwide response has been incredible. Um, there is a lot of support out there, um, and I'm going to ask both of you in, in your different capacities on on your thoughts on this next question. So I. My question is, what measures are you specifically the UK government taking in putting in place to support UK businesses, whether they're owned by US businesses and they're in the UK? What have you seen going on and what behind the scenes work is happening to to support them and, and just keep
2: the engine running? Well, uh, I think uh, that the UK government has done a lot, and actually um, I'm very proud to Uh, to be able to talk about the support measures that the UK government has put in place for business because I think the the response has been robust and I think it's been powerful and it's been thorough. Uh, There are a number of programs available. Um, I think one of the most uh, powerful ones is the fact that there's now um, a scheme running for four months and I'm sure it'll be reviewed, uh, the necessity will be reviewed. uh, once we get close to the end of those four months, um, that allows businesses um, to keep on employees that they might not otherwise be able to uh, to compensate. Um, it's called the Coronavirus Job Retention Scheme. And under this scheme, the UK government will pay 80% of salaries uh, for workers that would otherwise be laid off or furloughed. Uh, there's also A business loan, uh, sorry, a business interruption loan scheme uh, for both small and large businesses. Uh, There are business tax rate holidays available for retail, hospitality, and leisure businesses, which are obviously among the most affected right now. There's cash grants available also for retail, hospitality, and leisure businesses. Uh, Those businesses um, can get uh, just a straight off a one-off 25,000 pounds. Uh, And they can get it per outlet. So to give you an example, um, one of my colleagues here at the Department for International Trade Team at the Consulate in Los Angeles um, has a brother who runs a pub in Scotland. And um, according to her, her brother was able to apply for this £25,000 grant, took him 15 minutes, and he had the money within 24 or 48 hours, she tells me. Uh, So and and that's... That's just a few examples Uh, for businesses that are interested in finding out more, which might include U.S. investors into the U.K. right now. uh, You can just go to uh, www.gov.uk slash coronavirus. And uh, there's a a lot of information there. But if you click through the business items, um, you will get to all the various support measures. And once again, that's www.gov.uk slash coronavirus. Thanks, Carlo. Mike, uh,
0: just in, in a similar capacity, uh, you, you work at a different levels. So what are, what are you seeing um, specifically with UK businesses? Um, what are your conversations like with some of the people that you work with?
1: Well, um, I mean, it's remarkable, isn't it? There's such a difference in in some of the challenges that, that uh, businesses are facing. There are obviously some who whose demand has gone up and others whose demand has completely collapsed. And um, I think what lies behind Carlo's uh, summary there of what government's doing domestically and, and for companies that have invested in the UK uh, is a desire to help manage that shock uh, in the most effective way that, that does not... Put the burden onto uh, onto unemployment and putting uh, workers out of work. So the, the efforts to support keeping workers on payrolls of companies whose cash flow has almost dried up overnight—that is a critical part of what the government's doing. Um, and that's you know obviously because the welfare of our citizens is paramount. But it's also because we will get through this and there will be a recovery. And our philosophy is that you know keeping Keeping workers on companies' payrolls uh, and, and keeping them available, uh, so that those companies can access their skilled labour force when they need it to refuel that uh, that recovery, that is an, another really crucial part of the of the approach that we're taking. So, uh, I mean, like Carlo, I, I know lots of people, lots of friends, lots of family who are taking advantage of these uh, these these, pro- these programs back in the UK, uh, and they are delivering very quickly. Um, and I, you know, I'm obviously very hopeful, as everyone is, that. That we get through um this phase of of all of these social restrictions in you know as soon as we can but with very much a clear eye on the science behind the decisions that we need to take but you know for as long as we need to be in this uh unusual and unprecedented phase that, that we have got those economic support measures in place to to manage the impact on people uh, and on the economy uh,
0: thank you mike um it, it definitely is is what we're going through right now, no one has ever experienced this in, in this capacity in recent years anyway. Um, in your opinion, Mike, when do you expect, and this is a hard question to answer because I don't think anyone knows, but when do you expect the UK economy to reopen? I mean, to, in, in comparison to the US economy and California specifically, I believe the date is after May 15th. Is that, do you see some similarities there? Any thoughts?
1: Well, I think the critical thing to remember here uh, is that, you know, different regions of the world are at different points in in the curve. Uh, And so what one country or state or municipality is going through, you know, is not necessarily going to be the same as another's. And obviously uh, regions and, and governments and governance bodies, wherever they may be, are looking to learn from one another's experience. But the point to remember is that, you know, the ripples and the waves of, Coronavirus and the disruption that it's causing are varied across the globe. So, just as one region might be coming out of this, another might be approaching its peak. So, that's the first thing to say. I think the second thing is the need to be, and this is at the heart of the British government's approach, is the need to be guided by the science. Um, And so, uh, the the daily briefings that that the Prime Minister and other senior members of the Cabinet have been giving back in the UK have been very clear about, uh, you know, what our philosophy is in, in treating the outbreak, but then in terms of thinking about what the triggers might be for relaxing social distancing rules. Um, and there are uh, there are four of those that have been um uh, sorry, five of those that have been set out by uh, by the Health Secretary Matthew Hancock. And um, you know, those are fundamentally uh targeted on the uh, our ability to judge that we are through the worst of the outbreak, that we are able to manage the, um, the medical impact of it, um, and that we have a sustainable way of uh, rolling back our social distancing measures with all of the verification and, and, and guarantees and security that you'd need to do so, so that we can manage the risk of, a, of another upswing. So for us, it's very much, ev- needs to be evidence-based and driven by the science. So that uh, means, I'm afraid I can't give you a date, um, because those decisions you know need to need to follow uh, the pattern of the outbreak. No, of course. Uh, and it's it's
0: how long is a piece of string right now? No one really knows, I don't think. Um, at some point, though, no, I do love the the positive outlook is at some point things will, will 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 restart. And when they do, what do you think the the goals will be for for England, Great Britain in the first sixty, ninety 30, 60, 90 days of reopening the economy? So they can, you know, when the rubber hits the road and get going. What do you think? Kind of initiatives can we expect to see for businesses to get back up to speed?
1: Um, well, I think you'll see a, uh, a continuation of the of the economic safety net um, that the government has in place to make sure that um, as the economy sort of re- restarts its engines, that it that it has the access to capital that it needs, the access to lending. Um, and the confidence fundamentally, you know, that businesses need that they can, um, you know, begin to restart their their operations. And that, that's, that will be at the heart, I'm sure, uh, of the British government's economic philosophy. I think, you know, it, it will be uh, very closely linked, as I, as I was sort of referring to my previous comment, to the, uh, the epidemiological picture, um, because I think, you know, businesses are going to want to have confidence, of course, that the the outbreak is under control and being managed and you know we'll see for a period of time I'm sure that there is a real link between people's understanding of, uh, of where the outbreak is and understanding of where the economy is and businesses will need confidence both commercially uh, and in healthcare terms I think uh, as they move forward with this and that, and our system of course is going to be very focused on on delivering that and you can, you can see that running through with the response that we've had to date. Um, I'm sure and again, I don't want to get out ahead of, you know, decisions that have, have or haven't been taken in London yet, but I'm sure it's going to be incremental. And I imagine that's going to be true everywhere in the world. You know, we're not going to see a sudden switch back to the status quo ante. Uh, we'll see a series of incremental steps to unwind the, uh, the social distancing measures that we've all got in place as we put in uh, these other strategies and these other tools to, to manage the risk. Of infection um, and and to manage the, the risk to our healthcare systems that comes about from that gradual reopening. So it'll be I don't I couldn't tell you how long it will take. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot written and being talked about in terms of areas where there might be fundamental change for the long term, um, which is obviously going to be very much on the forefront of, of both business people's minds and and government policymakers' minds. Thank you, Carlo.
0: It, it in a similar question to you, you, you obviously, we're based in Los Angeles and we're, we're directing businesses back to the UK. What are U.S. businesses saying to you, Carlo? What do they need to hear from you right now to gain some confidence? Well,
2: it's an interesting question. We do, we are hearing from, from U.S. businesses, uh, but... We are not hearing a lot because obviously businesses are struggling um, with a number of different concerns. So it's it's time of business as usual. So I think what they need to know uh, is what Mike has entered on, which is that the British government is absolutely committed um, to ensuring um, the health of UK business, the health of uh, the UK economy, and uh, will take measures that appropriate to ensure that, um, remain, um, a place where business can feel confident and, uh, to invest their money, to employ people, um, um, and as a market to do business in. Thank you. Is that something, you know, obviously we're, we're looking at
0: what's directly going on in the UK. We're here in in LA. There's obviously there are UK uh, people, sorry, from England all around the world. Are you, are you getting any, uh, any requests? Are you hearing about that? Uh, what, what else is going on that you can tell us uh, that some of the things the UK government is doing for Brits abroad?
1: Well, uh, I mean, for every country in the world, the priority um, outside of their borders really has been looking after their citizens overseas. Um, and, uh, you know, the organisation that directly employs me, British Foreign Office, which is the equivalent of the State Department uh, in DC, that's been almost the entirety of what my organisation has been focused on uh, since the pandemic. Um, We we estimate that about uh, 1.3 million Brits have returned to the UK commercially um, since the outbreak in Wuhan. Uh, And the UK government and the Foreign Office, sort of at the pointy end of that, has been critical to helping manage that process and those pressures that have been put on airlines and, and cruise companies and so on to get people home and, and our fundamental approach has been to to make sure that wherever possible commercial routes can be used so there's been an enormous operation to help get you know over a million Brits back to the UK um, obviously since that we've, we've faced some particularly unique circumstances I mean there's been a lot of, a myriad of individual cases that, that obviously I, I couldn't go into the details of, but. You know, We particularly focused on problems where uh, people have been stranded without access to commercial routes back home. So uh, the foreign has, uh, I think, arranged uh, about 68 to 70 flights so far uh, across 18 different countries that have brought about 13,500 people back to the UK because they haven't been able to get uh, any kind of commercial route. We've also been managing the challenges, the unique challenges in many ways, created by Uh, outbreaks of COVID on cruise ships Uh, and you'll have seen a lot of this um, in the news of course with with the Grand Princess being one of the first uh, that that, uh, had a major outbreak came into Oakland uh, at the beginning of the pandemic in the US Uh, but you know we've helped uh, 19,000 British passengers on 60 cruise ships um, across the crisis uh, get back to the UK. That's an incredible Uh, number
0: of people I had no idea.
1: Oh, it is. Yeah. As, as well as, you know, over a thousand crew members as well. So um, as well as the, the obviously the, the medical picture domestically uh, has, has clearly been every government's priority, um, managing the, the impact of all of that on the economy and the economic health of the nations as well. But, but outside of countries borders, you know, th- these sorts of challenges have been unprecedented uh, and have been a big part of what we've been doing out in the British government's network globally. That's great, oh, thank you. It's
0: it's funny, isn't it? One of the top priorities everyone is just to get home safely, and just being able to facilitate that—that that in in simpler times, very straightforward task becomes a much bigger task. It's, it's but it's great to hear. Thank you very much, everybody. Um, we've got some questions uh, that have been sent to me. Some some fun questions, just to lighten the mood a little bit. Um, I'm going to throw a few out and love to hear your responses. So my first one I'm going to go is, um, we had Nick Knowles on a podcast last week and he was talking about, he, he didn't realize how much he appreciated being able to walk into his local pub and have a pint. And it, and, and so what, what was probably the first thing once things are lifted and we can go out and do things again. What's one of the first things that you'd like to go and do, Mike?
1: Uh, I don't want to be a British stereotype and say yes. I would also like to go down the pub. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you know, that, it's of okay. course, that's well. You know, everyone needs to know, and everyone who's listening to this, I'm sure, will know that you know pubs are. A sort of community hearts in uh, of, of life across the UK. So it's not just about having easy access to alcohol. Uh, right. it's, it's about being able to meet your friends. And, Absolutely. And have a good me- meal and, and talk together. So yeah, no, it's, it's that ability to, you know, go go and socialise properly and um, uh, and to actually, you know, put my arms around the people that I love uh, who I haven't seen in, in a really really long time. Uh, and that's definitely at the top of my list.
0: How about you, Carlo?
2: Well, to be honest, uh, I just want to be able to go out and hike, go to the beach with my dog uh, and my wife, and uh, maybe go for a long drive. Getting out of the house, that's what I look forward to. Yeah,
0: I can understand that. Um, well, similar to that then, what, the, the, what do you expect the new normal to be for you? And, and Mike, this is a question to you as well. The new normal, once once we kind of get back into the rhythm of things, How's your day? What's your daily routine going to look like compared to what it was before? Is it going to be more working from home? Is it going to be less travel? What what do you anticipate happening?
2: James, I think um, I think you're you're absolutely right to uh, suggest. I think implicit in your question is that um, things may not go back to the way they were, at least not very quickly. Um, as Mike has already alluded to in his comments, I think it's, it's going to be a phased-in process going back um, going back yeah. to the way things were. And we never quite get there. I think now that we've all been working from home as much as we have, and we've all cut travel down to zero as much as we have, we will legitimately ask questions about, how many hours do you actually need to be in the office to be productive and do the things that you need to do? How much do you actually need to travel and see people face to face in order to achieve certain objectives? Is it really worth all that given uh, the risk of illness, but also the carbon footprint? We're all breathing incredibly clean air right now and really enjoying it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I think there are there may be a case that even, even if the, the virus disappears completely tomorrow, uh, we may not quite go back to exactly the way things were.
0: Well, that actually reminds me, Carlo, whilst we're on, while we're talking about new routines, people work, UK businesses here, US businesses over in UK, what, what kind of support is there for UK businesses here at the moment that you can tell us a little bit more about?
2: Thank you for asking, uh, James. As you know, supporting UK businesses here is one of our primary remits. We uh, try to help UK exporters succeed in the United States. And obviously, right now, UK businesses may not be thinking about expanding to the United States if they're not here already. Uh, But for those that might want to do that in the future, we're thinking about a program of um, virtual offers. Uh, We used to run trade missions, for example. And uh, we're considering how much, how many of those services, informational services, connecting services, seminars, and panels, and things that we can offer in the virtual world. Uh, so you, uh, you may see a, a program of that being, uh, um, being a very soon concern, of course, is for UK companies that have US um, subsidiaries already that employ people here uh, and that have existing businesses that need to survive. Uh, and um, for those companies, we've been watching very closely what the U.S. business support measures are. And of course, these vary state by state. But one of the things we've, uh, we've been watching, especially closely, uh, is the availability of loans through the Small Business Administration. And we're very pleased that um, the House of Representatives uh, uh, increased funding uh, for that, which uh, which had dried up. Uh, so they voted on it, and that was successful yesterday. Uh, We've been in close contact with uh, a contact over there at the SBA uh, to find out what that means for foreign owned businesses. And we've been getting answers to questions on on how to loans uh, in those circumstances. It all hinges on getting a tax ID uh, for the parent company if it is a foreign company. Um, And you have to ask the SBA to get an SBA generated tax ID number in order to fill out the application. And it's, um, you know, there's a number of, of steps in the process. But we're trying to get that information out to the businesses that need to know it.
0: Uh, it's uh, It was very refreshing to see that yesterday. I'm also a small business owner, and it is nice to know that there is support and there is support, more support coming for those who need it, especially. So there is it's a great comfort to know that. And thank you for talking on that a little bit there, Carla. I appreciate that a lot. Um, so we're talking about lots of different things here. Um, Mike, you've been in LA for a couple of years now. I know you've, you came in with a set of goals. Um, can you share us a little bit more about some of those? And if, if you had a little more time, would you do anything differently? Are you happy with everything? What else would you like to see happen?
1: Well, uh, I mean, I've got, there are so many things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, and time is, is never enough. Um, right. I mean, you know, if you think about what it is that people like me are sent overseas to do. It's fundamentally to um, try and not just increase the links between, you know, the parts of the world that we're in and the UK. Uh, it's, it's to an end, right? It's not just links for the sake of it. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's links in order to further our understanding of each other. It's links in order f- to create platforms for us to collaborate on shared challenges, uh, is links in order for us to promote our prosperity economically on on both sides of the Atlantic and in this case um, and we've done lots and lots of things to under all of those headings uh, you know not just while I've been here but you know throughout the history of the relationship and um, one of the things that I've found fascinating um, about my time here as well as lots of things but there's sort of two that stand out one is um, how Deep the links are actually between you know the region of the United States or the Southwest uh, US, but but obviously I spend a lot of my time in Southern California because the consulate's based in LA. Um, but the links that already exist between this region and the UK are very deep and very strong and very productive and go back a long, long way. But but they're almost um, sort of. Not known about consciously. I mean, you know, people like you, expats, do understand that probably better than a lot of people do. But um, but I think it's sort of an interesting thing about LA that you know it is this incredibly significant global hub um, in so many areas. You know, beyond just the, the entertainment industry that everybody associates it with. I mean, obviously, it's a huge and diverse economy, um, and those links go everywhere. But they they sort of don't have the institutional layer. And structure on top of it that you would expect to have in a city of this size. It's much more organic than that. It's sort of grown up without any great plan to it, and that's part of part of the beauty of it. But I think that that means that there's a lot we can do to to understand it, to explain it to people, to think about ways to put some sort of institutional connectivity in there to to make sure that both sides are making the most of those of those links and that potential to do more together. Um, and the second thing. Is, is really actually, I mean, this is probably going to make you laugh, sitting uh, in L.A. on a day when it's about to hit, I don't know what, 90-something uh, in April. Yeah. Um, you know, there, <laughs> there are a lot of similarities between, between the U.K. And, this, and, and California in general, actually. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of that's around mindset. Uh, a lot of it's around the focus on innovation, um, entrepreneurialism, um, community, uh, a positive kind of global outlook. Um, and, you know, a kind of desire to make the world a better place and to find solutions to these challenges that that we all face. Um, I felt for a long time that there's a lot of similarities there. Um, and I have to say, you know, to sort of pick up on your question before about the new normal um, and how that links to this, you know, I think we're, you know, we're in one of those tricky times where, you know, I gave you all those numbers of, of, of Brits that have come back from around the world back to the UK. And that's true for every country, you know, so this you know, many, many decades, probably even centuries of, of engagement that we've created through diasporas of our populations moving out around the world and setting up and, and having families and creating business links and all the rest of it, you know, some of that's going to take a big dent because of COVID-19, of course it is. Um, and the challenge for us all, I think, is to understand and separate out the risks to the way that we've been running our economies and our global society that COVID has exposed that we do need to think about. And of course, there are some, we all know what those are. Um, and I think, for example, we're going to, all of us be thinking about resilience in supply chains, for example, um, and, and how, uh, how fragile in some ways some of that has been shown to be as a result of all of this. Um, but on the other hand, on the upside, you know, we've, we've learned how interconnected we all are. Uh, we, as Carlo said at the beginning, we've learned, we, we've got a fundamentally, I think, different appreciation now for what an essential worker is. You know, who are the people that keep our societies and our economies functioning? And we now understand that in a way that we didn't three months ago. Um, So whilst yes, we're going to want to, in whatever the new normal looks like, figure out solutions to those risks and those challenges that already existed and have been exposed by COVID-19, we can't lose sight of all of the things that bind us together uh, and all of the lessons and insights we've learned about about how our cultures and societies work, about our impact on the environment. Um, you know, the point Carlo made about clean air and so on. I mean, remarkable data around the world about how big an impact already, you know, the kind of rewinding of some of our activity has had uh, on our, our ecosystem. So I think for me uh, personally, you know, my real hope is that as, as we, rebuild our lives and our economies that we do so in full knowledge and understanding of those things and that we do so in a way that's a little bit better perhaps than it was before a little bit more sustainable than it was before uh, a little bit fairer than it was before um and understanding that you know what one group of us does has an effect on others um you know no matter what we might think we are all connected
0: that's a wonderful response thank you very much mike i am just to piggyback off of what you're saying, I have a sense of gratitude for things that, uh, you know, it, it, I, I've learned, we, we all have the wants and desires for things that we want to achieve and, and reach and get and goals. But the things, it's kind of, a, it's allowed us to really focus on the things that we have and what we're grateful for. Uh, being my children and my wife and family, being happy and healthy is paramount to almost everything else. And uh, obviously my heart goes out to the essential workers as well. It's just they're doing an incredible job here and around the world. So it's just wonderful to see. Um, Carlo, I had a question for you. Um, if I was a U.S. company looking to open a U.K. office right now, what advice would you be giving me?
2: Well, it would be – it's its difficult to um, uh, uh, to offer a generic answer to that question because I know, it's the a tough crisis is imp- – yeah, well, it, it, well, for the very simple reason that uh, the crisis is affecting every every business, um, every business differently. So what I would say is that uh, we want UK company, we want uh, US companies to invest in the UK in a sustainable way. So even though my job and the job of all my colleagues. Um, Uh, at the consulate is to sell the UK as a a place to invest and a place to do business as it were. Uh, We're not interested uh, in uh, asking companies to do so when it's not right for them because we want them to be there for the long term and in a sustainable way. So the first thing is to consider the UK market when the time is right, whenever that may be as a result of this crisis. Once the time is right, uh, then I would, uh, I would continue to, I would say, as, as I said before this crisis, that the UK uh, has the friendliest business environment in Europe, number one in Europe for ease of doing business. Uh, it has the workforce, uh, it has the market size, it has uh, um, uh, an attractive corporate tax rate, uh, an appealing r and scheme, I could go on and on. Uh, sorry, R and D tax incentive. I could go on and on, but I won't because we only have so much time today. Um, but anyway, all those things taken together, make the UK market, I think the most attractive market in Europe uh, to invest in.
0: It's a great answer. Thanks Carlo. Gentlemen, we're, we're coming to the end. I so have a couple of questions left for you. Uh, I want to thank you again for joining us today on the BABC LA podcast. Another wonderful experience for everybody. I hope. Um, Mike, the question I have for you that's come back, uh, and I've asked a couple of different people this one as well. Um, Everyone has a different definition of success and what success looks like to one person is different to another person. What does success look like to you? For me personally, James? Yeah, what's your definition of it? it Maybe it's in your role. Is it uh, just your opinion on it?
1: Well, I kind of need to just allow me uh, 10 seconds to explain a bit of context first. Um, you know, sure. in, my, in my career, people like me, we, we work on a lot of different things. So not just within the job we're in. So in the job I'm in at the moment, I work on a massive range of different issues. But, but across our careers, you know, we'll go work in different places in the world. We'll work on different issues, different challenges. And um, the benefit of that is you uh, you, you get to do lots of different things. You you become a specialist in um you know in diversity, you become a specialist in complexity, if you know what I mean. You become a specialist in the world, you don't become a specialist, more often than not, you don't become a specialist in any particular one thing in the way that lots of other careers might require you to. So um therefore, my my definition of success is a bit general, really. It's about uh making things better, which sounds really flaky. <laughs> and I don't no, know, it doesn't. I, I think uh, we get the point
2: though.
1: Yeah, it's kind of, you know, I need to uh when I look at any suite of issues that I'm working on, I think, okay, how could this be better? And what can I do with the skills and attributes that I've got, with the resources that I'm able to reach into, with the networks that I have, you know, how can I make this better and what does that mean in practice? What does that look like? Uh, and then I'll start figuring out a way to go and do it. Um, because I feel like I need to then look back on what I've done and say, yes, that's what I did. And you know, it, it is now better because of things that I've done. Uh, that's what motivates me and, and, and gives me satisfaction. That's how I judge success at the end of the day. You know, The specifics of what success might look like one day or one year or one job to the next varies a lot. Um, but that general principle, I've got to find a way to make things better, uh, is what guides me.
0: Oh, I love that. That's one great answer. Thank you. Um, so th- here's my last question for you, and I'm going to ask both of you this one. Um, there's we all know we keep hearing it's a bit of uncertainty out there right now, and everyone's doing what they can, and I think everyone's coming together, and there's just that general feeling of we're going to make it, we're going to get through this, and the lights at the end of the tunnel. If if I was to ask you what if if you were to leave a, a give us a couple of sentences on your uh, on a pos- some positivity that you could and still in everyone listening today what is your just personal positive message that you would give everyone maybe it's an experience from this or something what what would you tell the listeners today that they could leave here with
1: carla you want to go first
2: uh, sure i will i will go first um you know james i think that it's very easy to get carried away in in the press coverage uh, around this crisis, and unfortunately, um, you know, coverage that uh, takes rather extreme positions um, is uh, often the coverage that gets the most traction, and that's why we we see it. Um, but I think if you slice through that a little bit, what we actually have is an unprecedented situation where the world has come together in a really powerful way. There are Um, political disagreements over what the right response is and when you should be opening the economy and uh, all that kind of stuff. But the reality is that the entire world is on the same page and battling this, uh, this virus together. And I don't think we've seen that before. I'm not sure that we've seen anything like it. We certainly didn't see it in response to the 1918 uh, flu epidemic, uh, the so-called Spanish flu, uh, when um, there was no coherence among governments and, and everybody was sort of um, going at it on their own. Uh, and I think that's, that's incredibly powerful. And I think ultimately that's why, as horrible as this virus is um, and as terrible as its effects are, um, you know, I think that ultimately our response to it is much more effective um, than we've ever seen to anything like it before. And, and I draw encouragement from that. Wonderful. How about you, Mike? Um,
1: well, as Carlo says, it's not hard to look around the media environment or, uh, or any, any kind of source of information, really, and find lots of things to get depressed by. Um, the thing that I would say makes me feel better every day uh, and I would want people listening to think about is is actually how relatively easy it is also to find good things too. You know, there is no shortage around the world and in the United States and in the United Kingdom of people doing amazing things um, to, and this is the key thing to help each other out. Um, and you know, I, I draw a lot of comfort from the fact that you know, at times of adversity like this, when there are so many pressures to make people feel like they have to withdraw into their shell and um you know be defensive and, and maybe a little bit selfish sometimes that it's so easy actually to just find so many examples everywhere uh, including in you know in, in LA where we all are now uh, of, of people doing really fantastic things to help each other out and look after each other uh, and I draw a lot of confidence and optimism from that um you know we live we live in a time and in, in, in a Sort of an economy and a philosophy where you know there's lots of things that tell us that we're all just being selfish consumers every day, and you know we we don't say hello to each other and we bump into each other on the subway or on a bus, or whatever it might be. Um, but I think this reveals actually that there's a lot more that binds communities together than perhaps we realised, and that um, people fundamentally do want to live in a way that that looks out for each other. Um, and I think we've seen a lot of that, and I find that really encouraging.
0: It's uh, I I think I agree with both of you. Um, It's it's very encouraging to see people to coming together in this adversity, um, working together, um, just a little bit more compassion for your fellow human being. That's what I think what we're seeing, which is which is, uh, is very nice and refreshing. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today on the another B.A.B.C.L.A. podcast. Mike, thank you. Carlo, thank you very much. To all our listeners out there, you have been listening again to another British American Business Council Los Angeles podcast. Thank you very much. Stay tuned for more podcasts to follow. Thank you.